Welcome to the You're Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran Kumar, founder and host of You're Not Invisible After 50. Despite the title, you don't have to be over 50 to listen to this podcast. No matter whether you're 25, 45 or 65, we can all learn lessons from each other to help us build a better, more fulfilled life. Come listen to the inspiring stories of all the phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. They are not invisible. I'm not invisible and neither are you. So no matter what society says, life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning. Welcome to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. I'm Kiran and host of this podcast. We're all about showcasing phenomenal women over 50 who are kicking ass and making an impact. You get to hear all the inspiring stories why you don't have to be invisible after 50. So sit back and enjoy the wonderful life story from this week's guest. My guest today is the one and only The Good Witch. Hi, Shelley. Hello. How are you? I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited about you being here. And thank you for agreeing and choosing to be coming to come on to this podcast. What I'm going to get you to do is introduce yourself, first of all, to our listeners in one line, can be more, um, of who you are. Ooh, you gave me an Omar. Okay. One line, I'm a love pump. That's all I do is I receive love and I put it out there. And my second line, or more, is the only thing real in this world is love and loving relationships. I love that. Oh, that really goes well. I love that. So let's talk about all of that in a moment. So in this podcast, we're going to cover your life story, the past, the present, if there was a tricky point at 50. So let's begin in the past, wherever you want to start and whatever you want to say, Please go ahead. Let's talk about your past. This is wonderful because I've had a fantastic life. And and I spent a week with my brother this last week realizing how gifted we were by being born to two parents who were alive and creative and were totally dedicated to each other and to the family. And so I came from a really loving place with a mother who was going to teach every child how to read and a father who built brain surgery equipment. So that was was my loving environment. They waited for us for 10 years. And then they had Brian and I and and it it was a wonderful childhood. And so I was always empowered to be my unique self. And my brother was supported in his unique self. And we've both had this wonderful life that we still share together. I think Um, that's absolutely fabulous. As a youngster, my mother took me to college and put me in the library with all the books about disabled people and I was fascinated with them and of course I grew into an occupational therapist wow and and being an occupational therapist just gave me the keys to my 
to this world, you know, to to be of service on a daily basis, to be creative in my interaction with people, to be goal directed, you know, not for myself, but for other people. It was the best profession to go into. I had a great time. I just love the fact, Shelley, that you know, I feel the love actually of what you what you've just expressed. I feel the love. I feel the kind of support from your family. I just feel that. And just actually what you were just t- when you were talking, I felt quite emotional when you were expressing it because there's only, uh, you know, there's not a huge number of people who have such supportive pa- parents. I mean, you know, you want that, but it isn't. And when it's when you are in the lucky position that you do have that, that really puts you in a very good position in, in how you conduct your life. That's why one of my witch tips is be aware of the way you talk to your children, because that will be the way they talk to themselves in the future. My mother always said, there's a solution to this problem. We just got to get up high enough to see it. You know, my dad would just get into his skill and his ability to to build form and solve problems. And and that was the kind of thinking my parents gave to me instead of you're not good enough. Instead of um, well, they did. They did tell me that I will never get a suntan and I better accept it. (laughs) <laughs> and make my life comfortable, you know, and my dad did tell me that I'll spend more time with myself than anybody else here on the face of the earth. So I better quit fighting myself and learn how to grow instead of be angry. You know, I, it's like these wise parents mm-hmm. downloaded to me. And that's why well, I even had, I had a Christian science grandmother, a Christian science practitioner who knew that she, through the power of her mind, could create or could cure or reveal wholeness. In an, it, there is no illness, only wholeness to be revealed. Mm-hmm. And this woman at age 65 said, I think I'm going to retire and start selling real estate. Mm-hmm. And she sold real estate from age 65 to 85 and was totally self-supporting and was a Christian science practitioner as a sideline. Wow. And she showed me how to get up and be every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you are you farm. She taught me about farming as a real estate agent. You pick out a plot of land. Mm-hmm. And you let everybody know in that area that you're their real estate agent. This was back in the 60s, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and this woman showed me how to farm, how you go back and you pull out the weeds, you pull out the bad thoughts and you put in the good thoughts. She told me how to be consistent and water every day, how to radiate that intention of success because if you want somebody to sign a contract, you have to radiate your confidence in what you're asking them to do. Absolutely. You know, and, and so this is the, the kind of experience I had. I found myself uh, in college, you know, um, 
I, I was fortunate in that being an occupational therapist is perfect for me because mm -hmm. I love the human form. I love anatomy and physiology. It's mechanics. It is, it's the best spacesuit we have. Mm -hmm. And, and it was so much fun studying it and knowing um, the effect that we can have on it. And, so I went through USC, got my degree in occupational therapist. I went out, started my practice as an occupational therapist, had no clue in what to do with patients. I was the smartest one in the class. I got straight A's all the way through, but I didn't know how to touch their heart. I didn't and how know how. Oh, sorry. And how long were you an occupational therapist for? I start. I graduated in '76, and I finished in 2000. Wow. Um, so I I was I, I think that's 28 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, I read myself in. You know, people compliment me all the time on Instagram, and I said one frame up here and a different number down here, and I realized it's somewhere between 28 and 30 years I was an occupational therapist. And when I first got out of school, I did biofeedback with brain damaged adults. And we use biofeedback to decrease muscle tone. And, uh, and we did activity to increase muscle tone. And so it was, it was retraining the nervous system through using auditory and and uh, physical feedback. And then I started doing research in using sensory integration techniques with auditor with uh, biofeedback. And I would use what they did with kids in developmental um, uh, sensory processing. I would use the same equipment with the adults and teach them how to relax on that while giving a maximum vestibular stimulation and teaching the brain how to integrate that. And so I found all this absolutely fascinating. And then I set up, it, it was the perfect time for, <laughs> I, for in the early 80s where Medicare said every small hospital has to have an occupational therapist in contract with them. And so that we can provide immediate care after a stroke or before we send somebody home. So my partner and I went around, got all the hospital contracts. Wow. And then we employed people to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and that was where I learned administration. And I did that for four years and decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I specialized in the treatment of hands. And I worked entirely with hand surgeons who reconstructed hands. And I got to work with people who were hurt and getting better instead of people who were hurt and adapting to a lifestyle. So that really opened my world up. And I loved working within the medical community because I worked outside of it. I was in private practice, so the insurance company couldn't tell me what services they would pay for or not. They never paid for adaptive equipment back in those days. And when I'd build a splint to stabilize a hand and they wouldn't pay 
for the post-operative care. I was in a situation where I can just take care of it, mm-hmm. you know? And then we figured out that uh, they wouldn't pay for post-operative splinting services in um, uh, pediatric um, surgeries for Medi-Cal patients. So I had the opportunity of going to the school and teaching the surgeons how to do it so they could do it post-operatively and get paid for it. And so I, I was even able to go work with the Boys Hand Surgical Fellowship down at USC because I was self-employed. Nobody was telling me where I could spend the days off. I went and hung out with the docs so I could learn more. And at that time, see, you got me talking about my business. I love my profession. I had the greatest, one of the greatest things is there is enough business for everybody. There is, nobody needs to hold on to what they know secretively. We were all trying to become certified hand therapists. And and I had been active in the state legislature and on the national level to get OTs recognized um, for what we do and get title licensure. Wow. And as certified, hand, we've, we've worked on that. We've never gotten a full licensure, but we were paired with physical therapists and we were paired with a rehab team. And so we've been able to work um, uh, legislatively and be reimbursed for our services. But this is the level at which I was involved in, in my professional career. I mean, I loved it. And um, so to lose it, to be knocked out of it, to not be able to go back to it, you know, and that was when I was 50. That was, um, that was my shock. So that was Do your trigger. So what happened at 50 then, Shelley? What happened at 50 that you were, it, it, came out? Of that profession? Well, I had moved my family from Los Angeles to Ventura, and I had reestablished another practice up here because I wanted my children to be with their family. I believe so much in love and loving relationships that that was my priority when I lost my family. Mm-hmm. And so we started over up here. I was 47. I had to work back in Los Angeles two days a week to sell my practice. And I started a new practice up here. And I had two children and I was the most efficient um, uh, person on the face of the earth, you know? <laughs> I And I had it all. I, I, I was so proud of myself and I was doing such good work but I wasn't taking care of myself. I was taking care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I learned, I, I put a personal challenge to one of my patients. Um, I told him that if he just stuck it out, he could pass his class in math. He was a hand injury patient. And he said, yeah, and I bet you, if you just follow a diet for 30 days, you'll, learn, you'll lose weight. And I said, deal. And, you know, any way I can learn something new, I'm going to do it. And he finished his class. I lost 30 pounds and I found a three millimeter breast tumor in my left breast. Okay. Oh, my gosh. 
It was from, you know, and and I knew what it was. I mm -hmm. had it diagnosed in two weeks and I was already ready to manage it and handle it when my doctor came back from vacation. It's like I charged into it with no fear. And what happened in me is I knew that I had two kids that were eight years old and 11 years old, and I had to show them how to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, I, I couldn't show that. I couldn't tell them what to do. I was too sick. I had to show them how to be courageous, how to show up each day, how to, you know, um, survive yeah and do what the doctors say and do what you need to do for yourself and take care of yourself and take care of them and that's that must what have I been, did. that must have been a, such a difficult time for those women who um I mean my mother had breast cancer so I know what um it, it's it's like in terms of a child going through that and with their parent and the fear and um, the despair and the worry and the concern around that. And of course, for the person themselves, it is a very difficult and traumatic time. What I found and, and what I tell people who get the diagnosis, fasten your seatbelt, you're about to know true love. Mm -hmm. Because everybody exudes that. When they went, just like you did, you just said, I know exactly what that feels like. Mm -hmm. And and the more sensitive you get to that, the more you feel people's heart opening up. And that's where I learned it is in cancer. You know, I, I was the hospitality chairman for the PTO at my school district, uh, at my in my neighborhood so I was running a business I had two kids and I was a hospitality chair for the PTO and what for two or three years I would do these banquets for the women I knew how to do it I'd done it for 500 I can pull it together in no time and I did it you know when I got sick the women on the faculty at the school district cooked meals for my family for a year wow wow that and is that, love that is love and mm -hmm. but that's also another principle what you put out there is what you get back yeah you know that's true. i i'll i walk around saying how can i honor how can i honor my kids for the great job that they're doing how mm -hmm. can i honor those teachers it was give them a nice lunch you know, how can I honor the people that I work with? That's like, because I've only creative, intelligent, bright people show up in my life. It's amazing. How can I honor them? So um, that's what I did. And what I got was their love back. I think it's very touching, Shelley, when you said that what you put out is what you get back. I think that's very true. Well, 90% of the, that is true because you do try and do the best that you can and you hope that comes back in 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 some way or form and it does show up because at the end of the day if it you does. go in life if you go through life and are open and giving and loving and that's all you try to do nine times out of ten you'll get that back i have 1.9 million followers am i getting it back 
my you know i am humbled every time i look at the comments that my followers give me and that's why i said i'm a love pump i am just sharing with you the love that i know is here in this universe i want everybody to know that that's inside of them absolutely absolutely so can i just ask you a question so when how did you move from occupational therapy you went through this very difficult time with your breast cancer and then we're going to move into the present how did you move into what you're doing currently and we'll talk about what you're doing currently how, how where was that switch where did that come in well when i when i got cancer i went through chemotherapy and radiation therapy and um i got I got a, an infection in my trigeminal ganglia up here in my face that would send shooting pains into my teeth and my face. And it went on for about three years. Wow. And they put me on an incredible amount of medication and um, an incredible pain journey that I, uh, I, I couldn't walk out in, into the wind without it flaring my face. Wow. And they medicated me so severely that I was sleeping all day. And then my kids would come home and I'd spend time with them. And then I'd go back to bed. And we had no relationship. And I went back to the doctor and I said, this isn't working. I need to have. And he patted me on the head and he said, take your medication. And I went home and Googled, how do you get off of Neurontin and Oxycontin? And it said, gradually, and pot helps. Oh, and so okay. after, now mind you, I had been sober at this point for 20 years. I had been, I had not smoked or drank anything for 20 years. That was part of my enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And so I was living this wonderful life, the best life you could ever imagine. And then I get cancer and then I get caught up in the medical system. And then even the medical system says back off gradually and pot helps. And so I started smoking pot. I stopped taking the medication and most importantly, and I owe my life to it, is I got out of my pain body and got into form outside of myself through art. And okay. I started sculpting. Can you see him? He's yes. my first piece. He's the wow. first thing I did. Now as an occupational therapist, I sculpted hand splints. Mm -hmm. I sculpted art with my patients. So I knew to get out of my head and into, into this world through the use of my hands to influence my nervous system to calm down. And I could turn off that pain momentarily more so in a sculpture session than I could at any other time. So I employed occupational therapy techniques to get me over my pain, which was art. 
I found out that sculpture is the same as drawing and painting. You use the same part of your of your brain. And so I use neuroplasticity um, principles of engaging every day in one way or another, either painting or drawing or sculpting, because sculpting costs a lot of money. You mm -hmm. have to ha you have to have $30 an hour for a model. So I can't sculpt all the time, but I can paint and I can draw. And so I went back to uh, middle school, uh, uh, junior college and I got an associates of arts degree in studio arts and I was loving it so much that and this was through the pandemic I was painting leather jackets and I was sculpting I I could that was me and one person and I could sculpt and I started braiding and meditating Mm -hmm. And so I, I just did all of this stuff to keep myself occupied, but I got such an inventory, I had to start selling it. Now, one of the things that I, you know, my five things that advice for other people. We'll wait on I, that. We'll okay. wait for that later. With this, I, actually, your journey. I exercise all the time. I yeah. love my body. This is my spacesuit. So I went to the gym that I work out in and said, you're closed on the weekends, certain hours. Let me put my stuff out in front and sell it on the weekends. And when you're not here and they went for it. So I started putting my jackets and my kumihimo out on the boardwalk in Ventura and I went as the good witch and I started selling my jackets and my artwork and then I fell broke both of my knees got both of them replaced but I couldn't do that heavy work anymore so wow. I switched to online and still I have my artwork to sell but now online, I have a bigger presence than I did on the street corner, and I'm having so much more fun. And that is what brings us to the present, because how did the Good Witch come about? I mean, how did that all happen? I mean, how, where was that switch? Um, there, there was a time during the pandemic when the government would give grants to be able to switch your marketplace from the street or vent or a storefront to mm -hmm. a website. Mm -hmm. And I, how old am I? Then I was like 68 years old. And I said, I've gotta, I've gotta go uh, digital. I've gotta learn it. So I found a young man that would teach me what to do to have a presence on Instagram and TikTok. Mm -hmm. And he said, it was, I've always called myself a witch because okay. I, I can get people to do stuff they don't want to do. Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> don't get me to do something I don't want to do. <laughs> as an occupational therapist, I always had to get people, I had to get over their resistance and that's why I call myself a witch. Ah. You know, I and I've always been able to manifest anything 
that I set my intentions to. And so I call myself a witch for that. But um, I, I don't employ the negative connotation to witch because if you believe in it, it's real. And I don't believe in the negative. I don't believe that that's what we're here for. I don't believe we're here to do anything but accept who we are and who we encounter. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the good witch, because you got a huge, huge following. And I'm, I've seen, I follow you on Instagram and I comment at times and I've seen you go live. Do you want to talk about all of that stuff or? I, my live, my live. You know what we think is what we create in this world, mm -hmm. okay? And if people are willing to ask a question of themselves, then they're, they're willing to receive the answer. Mm -hmm. Now, I trust in the kindness of this universe. And so my lives are just a love pump. Mm -hmm. I can tell you a good thing about every freaking card in this deck. And have you ever heard me tell anybody anything bad? No. So I have sat in their intention to look for the good. Okay. That's, that's all I'm doing. And I get <laughs> 400 people at a time. You do. I know you do. Absolutely. <laughs> That's my intention. If you're looking for the bad, you're going to get it. If you're looking for the good, you're going to see it. It's always been my intention to form a nonprofit and to get a project that that benefits the world. Right now, we're, we're helping a woman get a stem cell transplant to give her hope. We're helping a man get an articulated ankle orthosis to give him a life. And we're helping the homeless down in Guadalajara who can't work and can't go across the border. So th those are the three. We're going up to $2,000 and then we're distributing those funds. The next one we're, we're going to do is this nonprofit to, to help relieve the suffering of the world. So you see, as long as you align your projects with spirit, they work. I know they they, I trust in that because I wanted to show my kids that money is a spiritual entity. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's the way you look at life. It's and it's also what you do with it, isn't it? It's what you do with it and how you come across it. I mean, how you bring it into your life. That's the important thing. Yeah. How, yeah. It's about doing it's, yeah. it. So, I want to show my kids that money is spiritual and I had to learn how to use clay mm -hmm. and clay like fabric has a different feel to it. So I made a hundred buckets about this size. I took it to church and I asked everybody to take a bucket home and save their change, make a commitment for change. Mm -hmm. And in a month they all brought their buckets back filled with their change and donated it to the youth group, we took almost nearly $5,000 and change, sent half of it to Mexico, and the other 
other half, we paid their tuition to go down and build an orphanage next to the recovery house because in Mexico, you have to give up your baby to go into alcohol recovery. Okay. So we used to build orphanages next to the recovery houses so that they could stay together because the only thing real in this world is love and loving relationships. And just by setting that intention, I showed 10 kids that it can be done. Yeah. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Is there anything else you want to say about the present? Sorry, Shelley. About the present. Well, right now, Uh, Yeah, what I want to say about the present is that our life stays interesting when we're willing to step into the unknown, when we're willing to do things that we don't know how to do. That's where we can create. That's where we can be bigger than we were yesterday. And I'll tell you, I am scared every single day because I'm in the unknown entirely. I've got 2 million people following. And all I tell them every day is how wonderful life is. But I think by that, I think we have to, we have to share the very positive things about life because there's all sorts of negativity out there. And you have yeah. to bring promise to people's lives you have to impact them in a positive way you know it also helps you I mean you're saying about not living the in the unknown we all live in the unknown you know we all live in a place where we don't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next but if you look at it as you said with a positive eye with this love with this intention with this you know wanting for everything to be good that's what's going to come back Right. That's what the universe reflects back to you. Can I ask you a favor on this podcast and pull a card for me? Yeah, I'd love to. But you see, I don't do that until you ask the question. Okay. Do I ask the question? No, you think of your question. Ah, okay. Don't tell me. But you see, before you didn't ask me if I'd pull a card for you. Yeah, I have. I've thought of it. Okay. So you think about I'll pull three cards. Okay. And then when I'm done, you tell me how they relate to you. Okay. Or to your question. This is the way I do all of my readings. And okay, spirit, do my parlor trick. Don't be disappointed. Take it as a learning lesson. Mm-hmm. You know, this is disappointments grow us. Mm-hmm. And 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 this is a three. It's an expansion card. So okay. it might feel like this, but it's going to expand you. Here's another three. No disappointments. Look towards the future. Make your world bigger than what you know. This limited you. Go into the unknown. And what you give, you're going to get. Oh. What you put out there, you receive. And we talked about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so expand yourself, be bigger than you are today, and it's going to come back to you. Oh, I mean, what positivity. I mean, what positivity. I think uh, I'm, I'm emotional. I'm totally emotional. Thank you very much so, for pulling that. So can we ask a question? You don't have to share. No, I don't mind. I don't mind sharing it onto the podcast. So the podcast, the question was, am I going to be successful? Oh, you already are. 
<laughs> oh, I want to be more, more. I want to be more, more. So this is expand your horizons. Yeah. Reach out there. And, and what you put out there is what you get back. So be excited about it. Be enlivened by it. Be creative for it. You know, it's like you already are a success, darling. These are not disappointments. These are lessons. Wow. This is just fabulous. Just wonderful. I'm just so excited. Right. Okay. Let's go into a commercial break. And when we're back, we'll talk about the future, what that looks like, and also the bonus part of the podcast. Did you know that You Are Not Invisible After 50 is not just about our highly acclaimed global podcast. Our mission is to empower all women, regardless of colour, creed, class and culture across all countries and continents. So we have two empowering courses for you. A free masterclass, Building a Life You Love, Creating Your Own Path After 50. This transformative masterclass is one that you've been waiting for. Are you ready to seize life after 50 like never before? Well, say goodbye to feeling stuck and say hello to the life you love. Don't let age define your limits. Let it ignite your possibilities. This transformative masterclass is your ticket to a vibrant and fulfilling future. But that's not all. Coming in November, we have our innovative introductory business course, Greater Gold. In today's dynamic business world, age should never be a barrier to success. Say goodbye to age-related stereotypes and hello to unstoppable success. Our half a day course will equip you with the skills and confidence you need to conquer the business world. Discover the true value of your experience, reinvent yourself, stay competitive and master the art of self-presentation. It's time to turn your gray into gold. Don't wait, your future is brighter than ever before. Visit our website and check out our courses geared to propel you to the next level. So embrace your age, utilize your wisdom and experience and own your success. Spots are limited. Also, we have other wonderful products launching in the new year. So keep a watch on our social media posts and website for more information www.youarenotinvisibleafter50.com So let's move on, Shelley. Let's talk about the future. What does the future look like for the Good Witch? Yeah, Aaron, my partner, is the creative genius behind all of this. Mm -hmm. And he and I are working out a way um, to reach both of our goals. Mm -hmm. And that's what's fun because he's like 30 and I'm like 70 and what the, what divergent goals we have. <laughs> All I can do and where I'm going is live every day acting on my intentions. And because I'm 70 years old, I have to live by a schedule because, and that's one of my tips is to is to to include everything on a consistent basis in your life rather than waiting for the reward later mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know um so i have to uh we're learning how to do a different kind of um 
of product. We're learning how to uh, package the good witch and go forward. And that's where I say I'm frightened, but it's also an opportunity to share that ancient wisdom and that new thought that keeps me going. And if I can apply that new thought to to my world, I'm I'm going to do it. Um, I exercise three times a week. I work four days a week. I have two days off so that I can rest and relax. And I do art on the third day. So I have a balance work, rest, and play. Oh, and, perfect. And I have to schedule it. Work, rest, and play is the life balance. You know, you cannot learn and grow unless you enjoy and relax. Absolutely. And and you can't enjoy and relax if you're running helter-skelter. So you have to be able to learn to come. You know, I think some of the most successful people I've ever met are able to compartmentalize and and leave this focus and go to another focus, Mm -hmm. leave an external focus and go to an internal focus, leave a mental focus and go to a physical focus, live in, live in love, you know? So I purposely schedule my time so that I work out three days a week and I do a really in, I do the green method, which is Pilates on steroids. (laughs) It's, yoga on roller skates and you go for uh, uh 40 minutes wow. exercising at length and i had a, a young podcaster maybe a 30 year old go out in front of fit buddha and say i just got beat by the good witch in an <laughs> but you know i I am not in balance if I'm not physically strong. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things that ever happened to me at age 30 was having a skiing accident and tearing my anterior cruciate and not being able to ride motocross anymore and having to exercise and body build to keep my legs strong and stable. And that has set me up for 40 years of exercising three times a week it is otherwise yeah it's been great and i and i'm just lucky that i had a reason i wish i could tell everybody the benefit of a consistent exercise program we got this spaceship this spacesuit will take you anywhere in this world you just gotta maintain it Absolutely, absolutely. You said about the bonuses, so we're going to move on to the bonus part of the podcast. So, Shelley, the good witch, what five tips would you give to anybody who's under 50? Make your wishes into your choices and set your intentions. It's a process. It's not something you do overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes a lifetime to understand who you are and what you're doing here. So set your intentions and go in the direction that your heart is taking you. Absolutely. I think following your intuition is really important. Tip number two, what would you say? To someone under 50. Yeah. Exercise. Mm -hmm. Get in love with your body. I'm, my body has never been, 
this social acceptable shape and function. But what is acceptable for me is its strength. Mm-hmm. And what I love about my body and what I've always known about my body, even racing dirt bikes through the Utah desert and downhill skiing and scuba diving is that my body is a spaceship and it takes me to other worlds. And so get in touch with it. Get in touch with what you can do with it. Don't ignore it. It is your vessel for longevity. Absolutely. Tip number three? For someone under 50? 50? Yeah, we're still continuing with that at the moment. <laughs> live life passionately. Mm-hmm. Get up. Don't think about it. Do it. And then self-assess. And, you know, one of my favorite things is <clears throat> understand that we're born fine. And then we go about defining ourselves. And then the important thing is to understand that we refine ourselves until we're comfortable in our own skin. So keep refining yourself until you find comfort right here and right now. It's not out there. I just love that one. I just love that one. I think that's so true. That is so true. It rings bells. We don't give people the chance to change their mind. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able, you know, all we have to do is be better than we were yesterday. Yes, true. Absolutely. You got four and five or is that becoming to the end? For people <laughs> under 50. Yeah. Unconditional self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. You have to work on that. Mm-hmm. You And number five is learn to edit the negative voices in your head. We are voices that are added that we say to ourselves are downloaded from somebody else and learn to speak to yourself with respect and dignity. Yes, I think that's the truth. That's one that rings a bell with me because I think my children always tell me to do that. Um, <laughs> no, okay, the five, the three tips that you give to anybody who is over 50 and listening. Asleep. Oh, yeah. It's a balance of work, rest, and play. Mm -hmm. You've got to figure out how you play with yourself. Mm -hmm. And and so so exercising, sleeping, um, and eating right. Mm -hmm. In cancer, I learned to eat right. I learned that what I put in my body is reflected out in my body. I I had to make food no longer my entertainment. Food is my sustenance. Mm-hmm. And so um, that gets back to the body thing. So the, diet is really important. Food is not entertainment. And, and chemicals in processed food harm us. Yes. I had to start eating clean. Uh, as a result of my cancer and I eat mostly fruits and vegetables I make red meat a holiday food some so that I can still celebrate with other people yeah and and really when we do birthdays it's eating meat off the bone there is something about about getting you know a good 
Bite. Plug of, yeah. But I have to celebrate that. You know, I it can't be my entertainment. Wonderful. And any other two tips you have for anybody who's over 50? It, commune. It's time to begin to commune. Commune with yourself. Commune with your community. It's time to build relationships. And it's time to maintain those relationships so that you balance your outward focus and your inward focus. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish? I can't remember what I said, but I can keep going. <laughs> you can do one more then. One more tip for anybody who's over 50. I think the thing that, that I really enjoy is looking at my life from this direction. I, you know, looking back and seeing where other people are going through and just having the life experience, you know, it's like the celebration of the crone. I can see why people have always looked at older women as having wisdom because I get to, I, I've tried so much and I get to see the response of the universe back, you know. I think it's time that we all begin to honor and respect ourselves for our wisdom and share that uh, with exactly what you're doing here. And oh, we're, yes. you know, how, how can we honor and respect ourselves for what we've done and what we're doing? Oh, what a wonderful way to finish a podcast. Such wise words. How yes. I honor and respect my children. I get tattoos when they visit me. Oh, wow. I, when when they'll take time to, to, to be with me, I'll get a tattoo. Wow. Okay. So you must have a lot of tattoos then, Jenny. No, because they, you know, they're in Philadelphia and in Texas. So I'm always trying to figure out how can I honor and respect myself? How can I honor and respect other people for who they are? And respecting myself is work rest and play balance i respect myself by saying i'm important and i spend time with myself and so figuring that stuff out is uh i think it's important for us from this perspective to teach other people how to honor and respect themselves going through life Oh, just wonderful, just wonderful. And also, also, I think just to finish that off, it's not just respecting yourself, but it's respecting others who are also in that same category as well. If you don't, how can, okay, here we go to hero worship. <laughs> hero, you can't respect other people unless you respect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. How many people do you ask? This is a daddy lesson. Daddy told me that it's not love, it's respect. And I began to understand that in respect, in that we're trying to understand our wholeness. And when you when somebody understands their wholeness, and then they see it in somebody else, and that's respect. And and that's the way dad taught me to love. You know, it's not about finding a partner that completes you. It's a partner that recognizes your wholeness and supports you in your growing. Absolutely. And I'm so blessed. That's what I found. But I saw it. Who, how many times do you ask people who their heroes are? 
and they I don't actually ask them. anybody who their heroes are. <laughs> Your heroes are have the qualities that you respect within yourself. Mm. You have heroes, otherwise you wouldn't invite people on your podcast. <laughs> There's a lot inside of you that you love and respect, and you're sharing that. So, if you, you know, one of the questions I've always used in finding out who people are is who do you respect? Who's your heroes? My mother was my hero. Right. And so you have that in you, that love and respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandmother, my mother, I, I'm surrounded by my heroes. But I remember when I first learned that, they asked me professionally, who's your hero? And it was Dr. Miles Cohen, who was the greatest hand surgeon ever, who every time he invited me into every surgical opportunity he could teach me and but every time I walked into his office he would pick up that telephone call his wife and tell her how much he loved her and then he put down the phone again and then we'd have the whole afternoon together but that man showed me that he was willing to teach me and have his boundaries and I loved respected that I loved him for that and I'll tell that story always, you know, because and 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 what I learned is that I love my my boundaries are I don't waste time with that which doesn't fulfill me. You know, I don't my boundaries, what I let into my consciousness and what goes out are defined by my boundaries. I don't dwell on negative thinking. I don't dwell on the problems of the world. I dwell on the solutions in the world. So there you go. I love that. Perfect way to finish a podcast. I mean, Shelley, this has been enlightening. It's been beautiful. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I'm totally honored that you were on my podcast. I am honored that you chose me to to participate. Thank you. I'm so glad you agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the You Are Not Invisible After 50 podcast. If you want to hear more from some amazing women who are over 50, who are kicking ass and making an impact, then don't forget to follow us right here on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember to subscribe, rate, comment and share with other women through your social media. Let's spread the word across the world that you don't have to be invisible after 50. Check out our other services on www.you'renotinvisibleafter50.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok and YouTube. And always remember that life doesn't end at 50. In fact, it's just beginning.